I'm recording right now. I want to do some episodes. I guess it's obvious if you can hear this, I'm recording. I don't know why I start with I'm recording. Anyway, so the week we're going to be going to New York. So I want to do some episodes about New York. New York, very special to me. Lived there for eight years. I want to do, I was started to do lessons from food places. Then it started to sound so familiar because I was writing about like cats again as I was outlining this. Then I remembered that I did an episode in 2021. I looked it up, listened to it again, actually. And I was kind of just repeating myself with these like creativity lessons from cats. I'll still do something like that, but I needed to switch it up after writing out like an outline. So what I wanted to do here is three apartments, three creativity lessons. It's going to end up being like nine creativity lessons. And then as I was writing, I started to come with a format of, I think I'll talk about like three of the apartments that I lived in. And I was going to talk about like the apartment itself, but then I started to realize like, oh, that's like not going to like, it's not like super, super interesting. And I couldn't really pull any like creativity lessons from there. So I did this format where I was talking about coffee, gym, and dinner. Maybe this is very similar. I don't know. Probably like you may have seen Men's Health where they do, what is it? fridge and gym or gym and fridge where they go to a celebrity home take a look at the fridge take a look at the gym it always seems to like they always have like awesome home gyms but i'm gonna do yeah kind of that and so the gym that i was going to at the time that i lived there the coffee like my daily coffee spot and then dinner as far as just like what was my what food was my go-to food and what i'm trying to capture here is not like the extreme great moments of New York, but more just like, what was my day-to-day in New York? What was memorable about the day-to-day? And what do I miss about that time there? So a lot of this is just like, what were the like better daily routines? It's kind of like a morning routine, night routine thing with dinner and just trying to capture what my day looks like. So I'll, I'll get to it. So three apartments, three creativity lessons. This first one was, I had this East Village apartment. So this was on 4th Street between Avenue A and B. And I was paying. So I want to turn these into, I want to make a bunch of shorts like or like film a bunch of stuff and take photos of stuff while we're in New York so that I can make shorts. And my challenge is like, can I make, I was going to say like, can I make a month of content with a week's trip in New York? But that seems to be, maybe it's stretching it. But it'd be nice to do like, I don't know. 10 shorts based on that. So maybe this can turn into nine of those shorts, just these creativity lessons from different things in New York. Why I'm saying all of that is I was going to share just like how much we were paying for rent. I think it's like long enough ago, like that it's not, it's not as these prices are probably not the same. And then, yeah, I think it's always interesting to see what other people are paying for rent. So in like certain types of videos, I guess. So yeah, at this time I was paying 1750 a month for a studio in East Village. And I remember at the time that was like a pretty good deal. And yeah, I I was like looking for a while and this was in 2014. Then I think it went up like 25 bucks per year. This was just a really fun time. And I remember, so leading up to the coffee, like for a portion of this, I was working on my design portfolio. I was trying to switch from being a programmer to a designer. And yeah, so I was... I like to think that this was a long stretch where I was doing this. I'm not sure how long it was, but I would wake up at 6 a.m. And then the coffee that I got, I would grab coffee at the corner store and come back. 
And I remember like iced coffee was becoming more and more popular at the time. They didn't have it yet. Like when I first moved there, they didn't really have, they didn't have iced coffee. So I'd have to go somewhere else for iced coffee. Or we go to the bean actually. So that's like another coffee spot that I would go to. I'll get to that. But yeah, I would go to the corner store, found out that they finally had iced coffee, but because people kept asking for it. And what they had was just this portable cooler filled with ice and they would scoop the ice out of there, put it in the cup. And then I get the iced coffee and the default was with milk and sugar. And one day, I, yeah, I got that. I forgot to say that I wanted it black. They gave me that. And then I said, oh, no, can I get this black? And I remember them saying, like, why would anyone want iced coffee black? And like before that, when they first, when I first got iced coffee and they were pulling the ice out of the portable cooler, I remember like a comment of like, yeah, people, I guess a lot of people want their coffee iced these days. So that was, I didn't write like a creativity lesson here, actually. So for the coffee, at least. I guess let's give the people what they want to some degree and learn what they want. And then I think it's also just like, I always think of prototyping, this example of, of prototyping. And I don't know if like prototyping is the right word here, but starting with like the low risk way to do it, they didn't jump and then buy like an ice machine specifically for iced coffee immediately. They just got scrappy, brought the portable cooler of ice in and started with that. So with creativity it can be like what can you do with what you have right now and then what's the minimum like if you need to do something new that actually requires new equipment what's the minimal way to try that out i'm even thinking right now like oh yeah it'd be great to have like get a new lens for new york but maybe i could just rent a lens and actually i probably don't really even need a new lens it's more just like wanting to get a new lens then let's see i do always remember that during this time i was sharing a bunch of stuff online and it was also like one of the first times I experienced the downside of that, that I posted this thing on Twitter or I wrote this Medium article and I've told the story in the podcast before with a Wally, I think too. <laughs> posted on Medium, people were sharing it. It got, I think it was like hundreds of likes, which was, you know, not thousands, but still very happy with hundreds. And then the only thing I remember really, the only specific thing I remember as far as feedback was there was this designer programmer that I followed and he replied or maybe quote tweeted it and said, boring as hell. That was it. That was the whole tweet. Then, yeah, that bummed me out. That's just the example of like, I had probably like, you know, dozens of comments and then the positive, all of this was positive and then boring as hell. That's all that I ever remember from that. And there were these other designers there too, that I looked up to, I say there, but like online and they were liking it almost like, you know, plus one. And it's just like, oh man, that absolutely crushed me. Even just like talking about it, even when I was writing this, I was like, man, that sucked. Even like saying it out now, it's still like, man, that really sucked. But that's the cost. That's the risk of putting stuff online, making things, putting stuff online. The benefits outweigh it, but oftentimes it's still like hard not to focus on the negatives of doing that. And that can prevent a lot of people from making things and putting them online. This was also a time where I was going to the Bean. So the Bean is this chain in New York. I don't know if they have it in other cities. I think they might have it in DC, but I would go there a lot. And especially I remember these days on the weekends, this was really where I had, you know, my grind set mindset. I would go there like 6 a.m. Uh, I remember it would be like, oh, I want to get there before seven just to like, I don't know, signal to myself that I'm taking this serious. I would bring my laptop there and then just camp like at a table for hours. I remember one day I was there for like nine hours and I'm buying drinks. I'm not just like buying one drink and 
capping out. But no matter how many drinks you buy, like if you're there for nine hours, it's like kind of a lot, probably too much. But yeah, I would spend just hours and hours there working on design. Yeah, just working on things to put into my design portfolio. And this was a time that I I cherish like I guess like professionally because I had this goal in mind. I'm gonna switch from being a programmer to a designer. And I did it. I accomplished it. And that I, I guess the creativity lesson it has nothing to do with coffee except I don't know, hard work pays off, I guess. That's like such a generic lesson. But it is one of those. I think at that time it was just like having this goal was important, but yeah, no, no lesson from the bean exactly, except I don't know, they finding a place, finding an environment to do work and finding what works for you. Also, I know a lot of people don't like to have the like chaos of a coffee shop. And it was one of the busier coffee shops. It's not like a calm one. People are coming in and out of there, but I got good work done there. And I'm realizing uh, it'd be good to have framed this as like places I like writing. Like I liked writing, but anyway, that's fine. Then let's see, I should have organized my outline a little better here, but so that's coffee. And then I was going to talk about gym and dinner. So the gym that I went to at this time, I was working at J crew and there was a, so this was the building in Astor place. So 770 Broadway, this is popular. This is like the name of some of their jeans. So if you see like seven jeans, I don't know if they still sell those, but yeah, it's named after the building. And there was this David Barton gym. So this was before that. I think that chain like hit a lot of controversy at some point and then they just all closed down. But yeah, it was, that was the gym that I went to. It was, I think like, I'd like to say gothic themed. I don't know. If that's the right word. I was like dim lighting. It felt cool. It's as if it was like the lighting that you would get in, say, like a berries when the class is going, or like a cycling class where it's like pretty dim. But most of the gym was lit that way, except for some of the rooms that had sunlight coming in. So I would go on lunch break. I was doing probably like lean gains, so try to do like reverse pyramid training, and got a lot of like my best results. This was the most consistent. I was getting good results. And maybe it's because I was skipping lunch and working out. Who would have thunk? But the creativity lesson here, I would say, is that a big goal in like fitness or like to reach your goals in fitness, a big thing is staying consistent. Same thing with whatever your like creative goals are. Consistency is often like the key thing. It's certainly a key thing because it helps you practice and improve. And then also just like sticking with it, you build an audience that way. So to stay consistent, find a time block for it. I was able to use this time block, my lunch block at work, and I always had that block of time. So it was easy to easier to make working out non-negotiable. And then the last one so of, the, of this section, so coffee, gym, dinner. So the dinner that like one of my go-to dinners was Vietnam Cafe. So I would get this chicken and rice with, and it had this like, I guess it's a braised shiitake mushroom. But I would get that delivered. It wasn't weekly, but it was definitely a few times a month. And then it would be some days, like consecutive days. And then I remember one day was one of those where I ordered it twice in the same day and it's the same delivery guy and it's just, you just kind of shrug. So yeah, I would either get chicken with, yeah, the chicken and rice dish or pho. And I now remember also like with the chicken and rice dish, they would give you a pretty large bowl, or I guess it's in like the plastic container of broth so it was like their pho broth but without the noodle without any of the like noodles or meat so i would get that 
loved it. So it was very filling just because it had that like extra broth with it. And one day I ordered two so that I would have some for the next day, but they delivered double. So I had like two of these chicken and rice things and then two of these. I think I ended up having like four of the chicken and rice things actually. But then I like contacted Seamless. And then I just remember like I didn't get double charged. So, and I think they may have even just like refunded the whole thing. Anyway, I just remember being very happy at the time. But also this was just a thing in New York that I hadn't done before moving to New York, which is just like the big food delivery culture. And this is more and more common now because of how prevalent like food delivery apps are. Like beyond, like in in every city. But at the time, like it was just like a lot of people got their food delivered. And I knew people like the first apartment that I subleased, the guy I was asking like, oh yeah, does it have, I was asking about like the stove and the oven and you like have no idea if it, I'm sure it works. I've never turned it on though. And he just got delivery every single night. Yeah. So the, the creativity lesson here is again, for consistency convenience over everything just making it convenient to do your work in particular all right the second apartment this was in midtown so this is this was on like 30th street so we were on 30th street between 8th and 9th ave this was a couple blocks from madison square garden we just in hindsight this is there's no creativity lesson here i guess like taking things for granted we could have gone to way more shows and Knicks games and i wish i we had a couple that we went to were great though. Amy took surprised me, took me to this WWE show. It was a house show, but still really super fun. And we also went to UFC. I was going to say 200. Is that we definitely didn't go to UFC 200. We went to, let me check. It was when George St. Pierre retired though, or came out of retirement with UFC 217, November 4, 2017. That's what it was. It was his last fight. It was also four years since his prior. I can't remember screaming like so loud at an event. And yeah, just a quick one on that event. It was, I think it's the first time I went to a UFC show or just like a fight. I don't think I've been to one before that. But the thing is, the most noticeable thing is how odd it is to watch it without having the announcers there. So you just hear like the bodies hitting each other and the crowd and that night i think the main card was all finishes so uh, yeah and there were a couple that were just like one shot knockouts very odd to see it in person uh still a super cool event okay so that was this apartment that we lived in amy and i moved in together and getting into this coffee gym and dinner so I guess this kind of represents coffee is like the morning and where I'm writing at the time. So I would go to Dunkin' Donuts for coffee. Not necessarily like the main place, but it is for sure like the most memorable. I guess it was like the place that I would get it either there or at the gym. But if I went to get coffee in the morning and to just come back to the come back home, it would be I would grab Dunkin' Donuts. It was on the corner and then I would come back and there was this time where they did this promotion where you buy this plastic cup, you know, it's a large plastic cup. It was this big orange cup. And then you were able to refill it every day. So I don't, I was thinking that was free, but I asked Amy and she remembers it being like 99 cents to refill it, but it was like getting an extra large for 99 cents every day. So we did that. I would do that and then get iced coffee. And for a while, when the promotion was new, I would get cold brew 
And that was like a little pricier. So I thought I was getting like more value. Then eventually they said like, oh yeah, we realized it's only for iced coffee. So, but they were still pretty cool about it. So sometimes they would just give me cold brew. I was happy with that. And I guess the creativity lesson here is just, I think it's, you know, there's no guilty pleasures. I think that's the, from Austin Kleon's book. I think it's from Keep Going. It might be show your work, but it's from one of his books where he talks about with creativity, there's no guilty pleasures because you're always able to pull things from everywhere and then apply that to your work, these concepts from everywhere. Recently, I've been diving back into pro wrestling, old pro wrestling. I'm not really like paying too much attention, like watching the newer shows, but I'll go on YouTube and then watch old clips. I've also started listening. I've actually finished both of Jim Ross's books and it's always fun to just, and I, yeah, just listen to the times. Someone talk about the times when I was watching it regularly. So attitude era and all that. And I think that there's a lot to learn now where everyone like doing, like building personal brands online, they're pulling from a lot of what professional wrestlers mastered. This is where people are picking fights with each other, embracing heel turns, this is something Logan Paul, Jake Paul doing masterfully, just, yeah, embracing the heel role. And this is something that Hulk Hogan did really well. Like he was a heel for, I think, like this first year, three years wrestling. And then it seemed unheard of because he was the biggest baby face. And yeah, they, this is just examples. And then, yeah, when you went back to NWO, he was a great heel again. And then I have been thinking like with Taylor Swift, we went to her concert, one of the things that she does at each concert stop, she would give her hat during one of the songs to like a kid in the front. This was really popular or like that one of the clips was really popular because in on one of the LA tour stops, she gave the hat to Kobe Bryant's daughter. So yeah, cool move, nice thing to do. And it's also what Bret Hart did with his sunglasses. So it's not like professional wrestlers were the first ones to do this either. Like they weren't the first showmen or anything, but they really packaged themselves as other characters in a way that people are doing now with their personal brands. And yeah, back to this idea of no guilty pleasures. The reason I mentioned that with my coffee, Dunkin' Donuts, is that, yeah, Dunkin' Donuts is a large chain. And I love Dunkin' Donuts. I love Starbucks. I am not very much of like a coffee connoisseur, I guess. I drink a lot of it, but I'm not super picky with it. And I liked what I liked and really I just needed like a coffee caffeine as part of the routine. So no guilty pleasure. I never felt guilty about enjoying my Dunkin' Donuts. And I also took like some pride in it in a way that it was not, I don't know if pride is the right word, but it always felt cool knowing that like Bill Simmons always talks about when he was starting out as a writer he would get his big, his large Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and then he would write with that late at night. And part of that was when the Red Sox had their 3-0 comeback against the Yankees, and he was really grinding because some of those games would end past midnight, and he would still have to write the, the column for the next day. And he would have that large Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Next, okay, so coffee and then gym. The gym that I went to at the time was Chelsea Piers. So just a, a beautiful space. I think it's my favorite gym that I've ever gone to. And yeah, that's one of the things I'm, it's weird to like have on a list, like, oh, what's one of the thing you miss most about a place? And it's like the gym. Maybe that's not that weird, but yeah, all the, I guess like things that New York has, all the 
landmarks and cool spaces. The Chelsea Pierce, that fitness center is one of my favorites. Like just, I think it's also like, because I'm trying to like get healthier there. I'm working out. There's a lot of positive feelings there that that's one of the reasons I associate it with so many positive feelings and New York. And I think the creativity lesson there is to just look for an environment that will like create a space for you to be at your best. And whether this is the gym. So at the gym, I would also do a lot of writing because they had this huge lobby. I don't even know if like lobby is the right word, but it was just like a cafe area, a lot of sunlight. And I could spend like a lot of, you know, a couple hours there and be totally happy with that. And finding that kind of space and creating that kind of space at home or also just like finding somewhere where it's a short drive for that. Like right now, there is a coffee shop that I like going to that's like about like a 10 minute drive away, but they have the big garage door sort of things that open up. So it's great to be there. It's next to like this beach. So there's a lot of surfers coming there. So it can get pretty busy, but it's a good energy, I would say. Uh, And then another gym lesson actually from this Midtown apartment for a little bit, I was going to this kettlebell gym, Five Points Academy. It's great. And then I joined for kettlebells, but I was like, they didn't have a kettlebell only membership as far as I remember. Maybe they did, but I didn't, I I can't remember if they did. So I did the full membership and then I was like, okay, the cost of this is probably mostly really in the martial arts. So I did jujitsu for something like eight weeks, which it's like, you know, you do the math, it's maybe like three or four sessions a week. So a nice like 32 sessions, maybe 24 sessions, but that wasn't the math actually, because it was too far away. So I would only go one day on the weekend. And that means between each session was a full week. If I missed a week, then it's two full weeks. And then it just wasn't enough frequency to really pick things up. So I would just kind of like keep making the same mistakes week over week. Maybe I was improving in certain things each week and it was getting less and less intimidating every time I came. So so there was some benefit to it. But the really silly thing was that this Midtown apartment was less than a five minute walk to Henzo Gracie, and then also maybe like one block over from that or two blocks over it. It's Marcelo Garcia, two of the top jujitsu places. I remember like going on Reddit once and then seeing people saying like, oh man, like I remember it was like YouTube comments, but it was just like, oh, and people like international people saying like, man, what a dream to like be able to train there. Someday I'd love to even like get one session in there. And I was just like, wow, I'm really taking this for granted. And I never switched to go there and then stopped with jujitsu altogether. And the, the creativity lesson that I have here is just, again, I guess it just always comes back to consistency. So creating the conditions that will make you more consistent, help you be more consistent. And then having like the right amount of frequency to continue to be able to improve. This is something I haven't done and it, I'm continuing to like work on it with the podcast, with the videos and things. I'll go on streaks of things. I'll post weekly for six weeks and then kind of stop and then just post like every few months. And it's just like that, that's not going to get it done to improve. That's not enough consistency to improve and kind of get to where I want to be with this creative work. And my favorite example of this is from Creative Calling by Chase Jarvis, where he has this phrase called being creative ready and the idea there is that you have your kind of home studio set up whatever it doesn't have to be like a studio if it's just like whatever your desk setup is where you're able to do a lot of your work 
but you also want to have something that you can fit into a backpack so you can get some kind of creative work done and finding ways to contribute and practice, do like your creative practice parts of it. When you're on the go, if you just have your phone, can you do some writing on the phone that contributes to what you're doing? It's pretty likely unless you're doing like only like a completely visual thing. In that case, maybe if it's photography, of course, like your phone photography, but a lot of, in a lot of cases, a fundamental thing is being able to write. Like if you're making videos, a lot of times it's outlining or writing scripts. So figuring out ways to make it possible so that you don't have to take, it was like an hour each way. Maybe it was like 45 minutes each way to go to that kettlebell gym. And I just wasn't as cons- consistent. And then dinner at the time, one of the go-to spots was Pizza Suprema. So this was across the street from Madison Square Garden. And I, it was a, a place um, people would go after they get out of like Penn Station. So the line could get long, but not crazy. Nothing. It's not a tourist spot, really. They have a big picture of Anthony Bourdain in there uh, getting his pizza. And they have a great slice called the Fadiavola, which is a square slice, you know, like... I don't know if it's necessarily like a grandma slice, but a rectangular slice with the curly pepperonis, of course. And I absolutely love that. That's something I miss a lot. You can kind of get this now. There's a lot of like Detroit style pizza places in different cities, which have the curly pepperonis and it's pretty similar. So yeah, I thought this was, this slice was just as good as Prince Street pizza but I totally understand, like, when friends come and they hear about, like, Prince Street, even though I like the Supreme Slice just as much, it's like, no, let's go to this Prince Street pizza. Because it, there, there's aspects to it that are cool. Like, it's in a different area, and then it just has a longer tradition. So, totally understandable to want to go there. And the creative lesson there is that there are probably alternates that are just as good that you can work within your current constraints and be able to find something that works. So if I was just trying to find pizza within the area, there's, there was probably somewhere good. And if not, there was probably some kind of like good food to be had anywhere in Manhattan within like a one mile radius, even like a half mile radius. There's usually something good. So yeah, the creative lesson is, I think it's best captured with James Clear. He has this three, two, one newsletter. So he does like three quotes and I can't actually remember what the three, two, one is. I was going to look it up, but yeah, that, that's kind of the format. It's like three t- tweets to something else and then one like longer thing. And he has talked about this on his, on an interview, not yeah, on different podcasts. Just, I remember him talking about coming up with that format and it took a long time for him to get to that. Like, I think he was saying like weeks or even months for him to decide on the format for it. And what he was trying to do is find a format that he was sitting down and thinking like, oh, you know, writing the articles each week took hours and hours. So he asked himself, how can I provide that kind of value to the audience without having to spend as much time on it? Because he didn't have as much time to spend. I think he he's a father now. And so that creates less time. And then just has his uh, other like as his career has evolved he has less time and he's not writing too long form articles each week and so he didn't stop there he thought okay well if there's all the possibilities in the universe using my current constraints there is probably an answer to the question of like what if i spent less time and could create even more value for my readers 
is there something out there that, and he knew, of course, the answer is yes, that given all the possibilities, yes, there's going to be something that he could do. And what he came up with is 321. And I imagine it's one of the more popular newsletters in the world because of how value dense it is. So that's the second apartment. And then the third apartment, we had this Upper West Side apartment on 70th Street. So that was the last one that we lived in before we moved to New York. And going through coffee, gym, and dinner for coffee, there was the, there is this one of these bread and like a cafe in Central, one of these cafes in Central Park. So this was a routine for a while where I would walk there in the morning. So I'd be in Central Park, I'd bring the iPad. And then just right there, get a coffee and write. The, the co- iced coffee there wasn't as good as there was also a Starbucks on the corner that I would go to. But I always enjoyed just the environment of like writing in the middle of the park. It, it feels like I did it all the time, but I really couldn't tell you if this was like five times or was it like 20 plus times in hindsight. I think it was like at least a dozen times. So this was a nice routine. Enjoyed doing this. And I think the creativity lesson here is really just like a literal one to find ways to be just to do things outdoors, like do some writing outdoors, some drawing outdoors. And recently I've started to read outside just on the patio, I guess, like the backyard. I brought a camping chair out and read outside and it's nice. It feels like a a nice place to focus. And I think it's also giving me a chance to like establish this new habit that or just, I don't know what the word is. I don't know that habit is the right word, but to condition my brain to think like, oh, if I'm sitting on a camping chair outside, this is meant to be a place where I do some focused reading. And I like it so far, and I'm going to continue to try to do it. And then, so the gym that I went to was Equinox, and this was, it's kind of like the same lesson as the Chelsea Piers lesson that just having like a beautiful space and a a nice lobby that's really what i was like looking for it was kind of like a dual use sort of thing that yeah it was nice to have a place to work out and then shower change and then go to the lobby and write all in the same place that can be good i guess the reversal of that is it is also nice to have separate specialized places to go to like if i had a right like it would have been nice to have a coffee shop right next door that it could have gone to instead but oftentimes what the reason that I was writing in gym lobbies a lot is that there there were always seats. So that could be a thing, especially I mentioned the bean earlier that if I didn't get there at 6am, it, it was hard to get a spot with an outlet. So that was always something to consider. But I don't want to repeat that creativity lesson. One of the other things that those two gyms had in common was they had basketball courts. So there was Chelsea Pierce had a basketball court, like three of them. And then Equinox had a couple basketball courts. And I would just go there and shoot around. I wouldn't play that much pickup. I just wasn't good enough, frankly, to feel confident playing because there were pretty good players, like big dudes. It just wouldn't be all that fun. And yeah, maybe there's a time in my life where I would want to like, you know, play with the varsity and I'll get better. But that was not the time in my life for that. So I would just shoot around in the morning. And it's still one of my favorite things is to like throw a podcast on or an audiobook on. And then just shoot around something that I've read recently in this book by Stephen Kotler, The Art of Impossible, is this way to get creative or like to kind of jumpstart your brain for like creative thinking or to solve creative problems is you, it's this three-step process where one, you write down the problem, you try to write 
and get very clear on like the problem that you're trying to solve creatively. And then you step away from it and you go, he doesn't say he does. It's not specifically shoot around on a basketball court, but it is one of the examples he gives. He says like shoot a basketball or take a walk, something that is engaging your body lightly. So don't do like some crazy, don't crush your body with a crazy workout has to be a light workout so that your brain can continue to think. This is probably where I messed it up because I would listen to audiobooks and podcasts. I think the idea is uh, you don't listen, you don't add any inputs as you're doing this. And then in the background, your brain will begin, will be processing that problem that you wrote down. And eventually it will hit you and you'll start to be thinking of solutions. And this is when you can go and then sit back down somewhere, have a notebook or open up your laptop and then just start writing the solutions that are coming to mind for the creative problem solving. And that's the creativity lesson here as far as using a basketball court for creativity. And then last Upper West Side, the dinner we, yeah, for dinner, there was a sushi spot that we had as our go-to spot. So it had a omakase that was something like $55, something like that. So it wasn't like this crazy high-end sushi place, but it also wasn't just some random sushi place where it's just going to be like California rolls and that sort of thing. And it was really good, but not like, again, not a, you know, $200 omakase place. But I, yeah, I loved it. It was a great place that we could go to every week, every couple of weeks. And we would, it would be like our nice weekday, weeknight dinner. And there were a couple of things that I remember about it that like, sometimes they would have an oyster or not. And it was always a slot machine sort of thing of like, oh man, if I get the oyster, that'll be good. But it always had these, I think, braised, similar to like, I'm just realizing like, oh, this is very similar to what they had at Vinom Cafe was, yeah, these like marinated shiitake mushrooms that were really good. And I think the creativity lesson here is that while, okay, so it wasn't the best sushi place in the city, but it was always full. It was always busy at night. And it is this thing of like, you just have to ser- be able to serve your audience to be do- be able to do your creative work for the long haul. That you don't have to be the very best top-rated omakase in New York City to be able to have a successful sushi place in New York City. So with your creative work, you don't have to be the best in the world to build up an audience, the best in the world in anything. It certainly helps. And I totally believe in that idea of like figuring out the intersection so that you can niche down and then be the best in whatever intersection you have. But also if you're not the very, very, like very best top number one, you can still build an audience and then be able to create for them, create things that entertain them, that educate them and keep them coming back. So, so that's it for the podcast and I'm going to go to New York and hopefully be able to like take a picture of all these places so that I can make a short video about this. Maybe not. I don't know. At least I have this podcast. So thanks for listening to this.